Good morning and welcome to church. We're so excited that you could gather with us wherever you're watching from. If this is your first time joining us, we'd love to start a conversation, answer any questions you might have, or give you more information. Simply text hello to 587-323-1199 and we'll reply right back. Thanks for joining us. We hope you have a great day. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Well, we're so excited to see all of you here today, whether you're in person or online. We're just thrilled that you could be part of our community here at CCC. We just wanna welcome you and we hope that you take away something from this message, that these seeds get planted deep and they fall on good soil. My name is Nathan, I'm the pastor of young adults here at Calvary, and I'm gonna be continuing on with our series, Seeing in Technicolor. We're gonna be speaking out of Philippians chapter four, verses eight to nine today. But before we continue on, it is interesting to note that we are on our second last Sunday for this sermon series. Next Sunday, Pastor OJ, or sorry, Pastor Doug is gonna be closing it up, and then we'll be wrapping up the series and heading into our fall series, which we're very excited to announce in the coming weeks. Before we turn to Philippians chapter four, I want us to all recall this phrase we heard growing up, and maybe some of you have heard more recently. It's time to put on our thinking caps. And what we mean by that is, and when we heard our teachers say this, it's usually insinuating that it's time to focus. It's time to concentrate. It's time to start problem solving. Let's turn to your neighbor and put on our thinking caps. Now, we all know that that's not a literal thinking cap, but wouldn't it be nice if there was such a thing that existed as a literal thinking cap, where you're dealing with something, you're trying to wrestle through it, you're trying to evaluate it, and you're having a difficult time, so you would just don your thinking cap and boom, you have perfect clarity. Or if you're dealing with a particularly frustrating person and they're being they're not being exactly helpful, you could just hand them a thinking cap and they could pop it on and you could go from there. But we know it's not that easy and that's why Henry Ford said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably why so few engage in it. <laughs> so before I move on with my message, I wanna acknowledge Skip Heisig, Heisig for the book, Seeing in Technicolor. I pulled quite a bit of the inspiration from this book along with my own research and a number of contributing authors. Now, the human mind is amazing. You are capable of logic, rational thought, deductive analysis, you're capable of reasoning, and we're all intelligent and creative to one extent or the other. We're capable of emotions, we're capable of grief, of joy, of anger and pain. Now, back in the 1600s, a philosopher named René Descartes gave a little philosophical postulate that he spoke in Latin, which was a very common language at that time. And many of you will actually recognize it. 
the phrase is cognito ergo sum, which means I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. And the point of saying is that we're able to validate our own existence by the very fact that we can produce thoughts. Now, the Apostle Paul wouldn't disagree with that, but he wouldn't stop there either. Paul would have said, but I think, therefore I do. That my thought life is attached to who I am and the rest of my life. That whatever it is what you think about is what you will eventually do because good thoughts produce good fruit and bad thoughts produce bad fruit and you're the gardener in your life. You're the one doing the planting when you take a hold of these thoughts and dwell and focus and obsess over them. And like we've talked about over the last few weeks, one of the central themes of Philippians Philippians is joy. And if we're going to have a joyful life, we're going to have, we're going to need a healthy thought life as well. So I was watching a TED talk a few years ago and they had 15 or so college professors on and they were given a challenge. And the challenge was this, to take all of the famous self-help books, self-motivating books, how to get your life back on track books, and condense them into a single phrase. So they set out on this journey of taking these renowned books that are known for inspiring people, of moving them to action, and this is what they came up with. What the mind attends to, it considers. What the mind does not attend to, it dismisses. What the mind attends to continually, it believes, and what the mind believes, it eventually does. So when we look at Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now, there's an intentional, purposeful structure to these two verses. And I know most people aren't excited about linguistic analysis, but stick with me just to point something out really quick. What you have in these two verses are two different lists of things attached to a main subject. A single action drives each verse. In verse eight is the word meditate, and we'll unpack this word in just a few moments, but it means to meditate or think or ponder on these things. That's the first important word, followed by the next word in verse nine, which is do these things. And the Bible is so consistent when it comes to describing how our thoughts produce actions and what we think drives what we do. So meditate or think first and then do second. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we're going to go through a few examples. One example is how Jesus taught about humility and his disciples and then to his disciples. And then at the last supper, he washed their feet. And this kind of shocked them. They had dusty, dirty feet from traveling around, and here's their, their main master, their main teacher, down on the floor washing their feet. Now, Jesus had taught them humility, and if you know these things, he said, happy are those who do them. If you know these things, happy are those who do them, because knowing is one thing, but taking that knowledge into action 
is quite another. Another example is the style of how Paul writes. He typically gives knowledge first, which is followed by application sentence. So he typically gives knowledge first, which is followed by application after that. So think on this, now do this. The best example is the book of Romans. Paul spends 11 chapters telling us what we should know, how we should think about God, about sin, about the world, about us. And then finally, he tells us how to act on it. So you've thought about this, now do that. He also follows that in the book of Ephesians chapter one through three. Paul writes about all we have in Christ, who we are in him. Then in chapter four, he says, therefore I beseech you, walk worthy of the calling you have received, because there is always a relationship between knowing and doing, between doctrine and duty, between living and learning. We need to learn and then live it out. So what I want to do with these next two verses today is show you three simple things, three ways that we ought to think. We need to think carefully, we need to think righteously, and we need to think actively. And all three go together hand in hand in hand. So we need to think carefully, we need to think righteously, and we need to think actively. So let's start with verse eight. It says, meditate on these things. Now, the word meditate in Greek is logizomai. And logizomai means to think logically or concentrate thoroughly. The concept being to reason out and carefully think out those principles that you've examined, mulled over, and carefully considered your actions before continuing. Another paramount theme throughout scripture is thinking. In Proverbs 23, verse seven, Solomon says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Sorry, I'm just gonna take a sip of water really quick. Okay, so as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For years, people have noted that we are what we think. And I completely agree with that. The culmination of your thought life and the subjects you dwell and focus on are what are produced in your life as a result. You are the sum of your thoughts. People's lives are the product of their thoughts. Mark 7, Jesus says, for what comes out of a man defiles him. It is the thought life that corrupts you. Jesus goes on by saying, from within, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, eagerness for lustful pleasures, envy, slander, etc., etc., etc. That all of these vile, gross, inappropriate things come from within. The positive is that the reverse is also true, that we reproduce what we think. And in the Bible, God continually commands us to think as well. Chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter one, verse 18 says, let us reason together, says the, Lord, says the Lord. And as I've always thought, Christians need to be great thinkers. Unfortunately, for some of us, our brain cells are seriously under-exercised. Jesus said to the lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your 
mind. Peter wrote and said, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hosea the prophet cried out, my people perish for lack of knowledge, not lack of zeal, lack of knowledge. All of this to say, it's okay to think as a Christian. Did any of you see the box we put out there today that said, please check your minds at the door? No, because we want your mind to be fully engaged, where you wrestle, where you turn things around, you question, you ponder, you resolve in tandem with your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're actually to look back at the major revivals throughout history, there's this relationship with knowledge at the center of those revivals. One of the key factors that is common with those revivals is that there's an emphasis on biblical doctrine, theology, and exposition of scripture as the Holy Spirit moves. Because as we get to know God, as we grow in knowledge, we're able to see what the Holy Spirit is doing, better understand it, better to wrestle with it. Moving on, there is a battle for your mind today, which means you and I, we need to be thinking carefully. We need to be thinking logically with spirit to meditate on these righteous things. That's the first way to think. The second is not just to think righteously and carefully, but to think righteously while you're being logical through the word. Paul says, let me tell you what to think about. Here's the parameters of godly thinking. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. These are what righteous thinking looks like. Amy Morn, who's a licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, college psychology instructor, and internationally recognized expert on mental strength and fortitude, says the average person thinks 70,000 thoughts per day. 70,000 thoughts. You think 70,000 thoughts per day, which means in a year's time, you have produced about 25 and a half million thoughts. My wife and I have been working on renovations this past week in the evenings. We painted our whole house yesterday with my family, and we've been butting heads through this time because it's been tense. And my wife told me that I think significantly less than the average person. (laughs) She didn't actually say that. She wrote that in her diary. So (laughs) the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Every single thought. Or Romans chapter eight, Paul says, those who live according to the flesh set their mind on things of the flesh. And those who live according to the spirit set their mind on things of the spirit. Now the six attributes that are listed in verse eight can be ascribed under the same banner. Each of these words describe thinking righteously. In other words, true things are noble. Noble things are just. Just things are pure. Pure things are lovely. It's all describing the same thing. How do we think righteously? Here's the point. We need to be vigilant about what we allow into our minds. We need to be vigilant 
by what we allow ourselves to see and what we allow ourselves to hear. So let's look at a few of the words on the list. Whatever things are true. Now, wouldn't you agree that one of the greatest descriptors of God is truth? That he is the God of all of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God specializes in truth. So think about what is true, and you'll find that in his word. This is important because there's this distinct Western philosophy, and I may have talked about this before, but there's this distinct Western philosophy called pragmatism. Now, we've all heard the word pragmatic, which means somebody is no-nonsense, they're very direct, they're, they're on top of things. There's nothing hidden beneath the surface. However, when you define the word and the philosophy pragmatism, it means what works for you works. That truth is relative, that what works for me may not work for you. There's no such thing as empirical truth. There's no such thing as absolute truth. And we're exposed to this sort of thinking all the time. And that's why we need constant, constant exposure and understanding of God's truth so that we're able to discern what is right and wrong and what is true. And it's even more important now during this time because there's a movement where feelings are kind of faced over truth, where it's not about is this true or not true, it's how does that make you feel? And if it makes you feel good, then that can be your truth. And if it doesn't make you feel good, then that's not your truth. We've all heard the phrase, just follow your heart. And as nice as this little bit of pop psychology sounds, it's like the worst advice ever in history. And here's why. Even beyond what the Bible says, and I'll, I'll unpack that statement in just a minute, but even beyond what the Bible says, the Bible says the heart is deceitful and wicked above everything else. But even beyond what's in scripture, we know our hearts are selfish. And this was illustrated actually in a video Pastor Robin and Bev filmed a few years ago, where they went onto the streets of Edmonton and the, they began to ask people, are you a good person? Are you a decent person? And they all said yes to begin with. And then they were asked, well, have you ever, have you ever lied? Even small little white lies. And they sat there and they went, you know, I, I have. And then they asked, well, have you ever cheated, whether on your spouse or on a test or taxes, or have you ever cheated? And people would stop and go, I, yeah, I've, I've done that too. And they kept asking question after question. And by the end of the conversation, the, most of the people had come to this realization that they weren't actually that great of people. And it's because we know that our heart needs to be redeemed. It needs to be exposed to the word. And that's why we meditate on whatever things are noble. And noble is such a cool word. I love this word because it means worthy of respect, dignified, worthy of awe. It's the opposite of common or mundane. These are renowned thoughts. Next, whatever things are just. The scripture shows you how to walk a just path. If you ever wonder what is right or what is wrong, the Bible will tell you the principles for righteous living. In Psalm 119, David said, your word is a lamp to my feet and a lamp unto my path. 
Then notice the word pure, whatever things are pure. And this word means whatever is wholesome, whatever was morally pure. It's the opposite of graphic, inappropriate, or smutty. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good repute or good report, if there is any virtue in these things or anything praiseworthy, meditate on them. Think carefully, think righteously. The third thing is to think actively, which is on to verse nine. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, do them, and the God of peace will be with you. So after presenting a list of attributes for your thought life, Paul now shows that the thoughts should lead to deeds. And Paul is actually quite being quite blunt here. He's saying that all of the things we've learned, all of these righteous things, need to be carried out into our life because he knows that we can never separate the thought life from the outward life, that our inward thoughts perform the outward actions, that what we ponder is what we're going to practice. What we think about is what we're going to do. What we learn is what we're going to live out. Now, I do believe we need to take every thought captive, but when I talk about your thought life, I'm talking about those thoughts that swirl and around in your head, that become your focus, that you dwell on, that you focus on, that you obsess over. And it's the hope of any pastor or teacher or ministry leader that what we're talking about takes place, that what you're taught gets lived out, that you take what we're saying, that we've tried to hopefully learn and implement ourselves, and you start to meditate on it, question God about it, unpack it, unpack it from that dwelling, from the focus, your actions, your life, begin to change when you do that. Paul understands that you can learn something, but not really receive it, not really hear it at all, in fact. And the graduation comes when you say, I've attended to it, I've listened to it, I've exposed myself to it, I believe in it, now I'm going to live it out. So as I prepared for this message and as I've shared it, we've all been exposed to this truth. Some have listened casually, some of you have asked, are you done yet, when can we go home? Others have listened to it and fallen asleep. And I'm glad my voice is so soothing that you feel comfortable enough to fall asleep. But let me give a warning, and this includes myself. When you hear truth, if you believe it's truth, if you are not determined to practice that truth, something will happen to your heart. Your heart will get calloused and hard. You will be very good at hearing the truth and immediately dismissing it, marginalizing it, not letting it penetrate. That's the danger. What that means is that you could come every week and hear the truth each Sunday, but remain completely unchanged by it. Churched unbelievers, when they're not in the word making it their own, they're not walking out the gospel, And as I was preparing for this message, I was deeply convicted myself because it becomes so easy to go week after week just hearing others, 
just listening to others speak and never digging down into it for myself. What that means is when we're not in the word, we're not able to meditate on these things. We're not able to then put it into righteous thinking and then lead to action from that. And that's why James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. He said, if you do that, you deceive yourself. And then he goes on by saying, if you are just listening and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in the mirror, but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. We all understand that analogy. We do it every day. Whether we're off to see family, off to our professional jobs, off to a meeting, we get up, we look in the mirror, and we know we have to comb our hair, we have to brush our teeth, we have to put on our makeup. I don't put on makeup, but my wife Hannah does. Speaking of Hannah, she's due with our little girl in less than two weeks. Thank you, we're very excited. As I talked about earlier, we've had just an exhausting week. It was difficult to get up this morning. I was sore, I was tired. And so when I went into the bathroom and I turned on the light, I just let out the sigh and I thought, oh boy. And it's the reaction I have every day. And some of that is totally irreparable. But what I can fix is trimming my beard, showering, getting ready for work. But can you imagine? if I went straight to the mirror and walked away and completely forgot what I looked like. It'd be quite a different story. Most of you would be social distancing for other reasons other than COVID. But. So we must think carefully, we must think righteously, but also actively. Find a good godly example in your life because that will just reinforce what godly thinking looks like and you'll see it lived out in front of you. Now, I only have about 40 minutes left in my message, so I've got to really get carried on, but I'm totally joking. Let me wrap up and close with some practical tips on wholesome thinking. Three things to walk away with. Number one is evaluate. Evaluate content. It's very simple. You listen to things, you watch things, you focus on things, and you meditate on a number of those things evaluate those things. According to the audience measurement system operated by Nielsen Media Research or the Nielsen Group, which you're probably more familiar with, the company that manages, manages television ratings, the average North American watches four hours of TV a day. Four hours a day. But like it or not, we fill our minds with whatever we happen to be watching on television. And I'm not gonna tell you what you can and cannot watch. I'm not gonna get legalistic about it at all. But let me just say, especially to parents, and this hit hard for me, the average adolescent will end up seeing 14,000 sexual references every year, whether that's small or much more graphic. 14,000 sexual references a year on television. How many of those are healthy or biblical not only that, but by the age of 18, the average child will have seen 20,000 violent acts, including 16,000 murders on media. Evaluate that content. Number two, punctuate. Punctuate your day with truth. Punctuate the end of your day 
with truth. Wherever you, whenever you get up or go to bed, punctuate it with truth. Begin the day in the word and close the day, not with a commercial on TV, not with the end of a, an episode on Netflix, but try a short psalm or proverb, something that stays on your mind well into when you're sleeping. My wife and I have been trying to do that more often, and it can be difficult to, to be intentional that way, but it makes all the difference when you're falling asleep and you're dwelling on what you've just read and prayed about as a couple versus what you just watched on television. So evaluate, punctuate, and the third is to meditate on Scripture. Engage the mind. And to meditate on Scripture means you read it, but you don't, don't just read on it. Don't just read it. You feed on it. You feed on it and you ponder it. You take and emphasize a word and another word or phrase that is highlighted to you next time you see this. Because oftentimes we could read the same scripture multiple times over a period of time, whether it's days, months, weeks, years, etc. And something new will jump out to us. Ask the Holy Spirit what he's trying to point out through that new thing you're seeing in that verse. Ask the Holy Spirit how you can internalize it. So evaluate it, punctuate, and meditate in your life. We tend to focus on things that aren't even important when we're starving to death for the kind of truth that could transform us. It's one thing to feed on the right things, but it's another thing entirely to assimilate them and be changed by them. I'm just going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time today. We thank you that this word just penetrates us deep into our hearts, Father God, that it goes onto good soil, that it's protected, it's watched over, Father, that this conviction just changes me especially, Father, that every thought is taken captive, every thought is compared to the truth in your word, Father that we remember to do this on a daily basis. We thank you that your spirit would, would guide us and inspire us, Father God, that that change would carry out into our life to the point where people around us notice a difference, that they notice us becoming more and more Christ-like. In your name we pray, amen. So before we end for today, if any of you have thought, you know what, I'm tired of focusing on my own thoughts, I'm tired of trying to make those changes occur in my life, by my own actions, by my own behavior. If any of you are just tired, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me. And if you do so, I just want you to text LIFE to 587-323-1199 after we finish praying. We're going to leave this up after I close. And after I finish praying, we're going to switch to our transition video, and then we're, we're excited to see you next week. So just repeat after me. Father, I just repent for trying to make this change on my own. I repent for trying to change my thought patterns without your word. I repent for living out these ugly, gross, corrupted thoughts in my life. Help me to change my thought life. I invite you into my life to see that change. I just accept that free gift from you. I accept it knowing that Jesus provided a way for that change to occur in my life. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. 
Thanks for joining us today. If you have any further questions or are in need of assistance, don't hesitate to contact the church office. You can find more information on our website at calvarycommunity.ca. And as always, you can join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. on our Facebook and YouTube page or at calvarycommunity.ca live. And we'll see you next week.